0: question of the morning though was related to this go to the next slide to what do to what ends does jesus go to protect us um to what ends does god go to keep us safe so we sleep peacefully live peacefully um and what does that look like is that god's job to protect us is that jesus job to protect us is jesus ever willing to use violence or force to protect us or what does that look like? I mean, we have guys like Nathan and other police officers who protect us physically, safety-wise, and things like that. But there's a whole other part of us as human beings. It's not just physical. There's something else going on. And there anybody who's, do we hire anybody to protect us there? And, of course, we don't hire God, but what's God's role? And does God have a little coin that he you know knows that his job is to be kind of violent in protecting us in a sense we're going to talk about today go to the next slide we've been talking about jesus last night with the disciples I, you know thursday night with jesus whatever we want to call it john 13 to 17 was, is five different chapters which outlines and just kind of john records what jesus talked to them about that night. It's the night before jesus it's the night he was betrayed the night before he was brutalized tortured and crucified a few days before he rose again from the dead but this is thursday night where you know john was there with the other disciples and jesus is just kind of pouring his heart out kind of last words challenge they didn't know what was happening next they didn't you know we have the advantage of what one writer calls flash forward we kind of know what happens next but if you just read the story as the story of what was happening then you kind of get a different feel of what they must have been experiencing what goes on from there Today I want to look at the passage right here. It's from John 17. This was toward the end of the evening. They weren't out yet at the Garden of Gethsemane. They were still, they'd finished the Passover meal, this religious meal, this practice they had. And Jesus with his 12 disciples. And uh, at the end of the meal, Jesus, John 17, is an entire prayer. He's praying. And in that culture, often the person praying would kind of pray like this. So I don't know if... John had his eyes open, was writing down what Jesus was saying, or they probably remembered what he said. But Jesus was praying to the Father for these guys sitting around the table. So in another sense, he was praying for us, all right? Here's what he he says. This is part of. If you want to read the whole prayer, John 17 is, is the prayer of Jesus for his disciples. So he's in their presence, and he's doing this, talking. He's talking to God directly and intimately about them, and we are them, all right? My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world. Again, keep in mind, these guys are sitting around the table as he's praying. But I'm coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. All right, highlight one thing there. Protect them. All right, we just talked about protecting them. All right, say that with me. Protect them. All right. Jesus said he's asking the Father to protect us, to protect them, those disciples, but we're part of them. And then he says, you know, I've protected them and I guarded them. And now, God, I'm asking you to protect them and guard them. All right. Next part. Now, I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you, again, he's talking to God, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. All right, highlight here, keep them safe. Say that with me, keep them safe. All right, Nathan's job is to protect and to keep us safe. That's his job as a officer, police officer, sheriff's deputy. But Jesus is asking God, the Father, to protect us and keep us safe. All right, He doesn't drive in a squad car. He doesn't carry a weapon. But this is a significant part of Jesus' prayer. He's saying, God, would you protect them and would you keep them safe? And uh, I'm going to start with this, just simply this line, Jesus is praying for you. Uh, if nothing else from this morning, realize that Jesus is praying for all of us continually. This prayer of Jesus in John 17, it's a prayer he prayed, but I think it's pretty safe to assume it's a prayer that he prays for people like you and me. So he's praying for us. He prays for us. The Bible is very clear that Jesus is our intercessor. He's our mediator. He talks to God on our behalf, asking God to do things for us, all right? In this particular prayer, what he's praying for is to keep them safe and to protect them. Here's the question that I want to ask is, from what? In, in Nathan's case, he's keeping us safe from drunk drivers, fast drivers, people who, have, who are violent, people with guns, people who have deceptive, uh, thiefed, thief kind of thoughts or whatever. But what is, what is Jesus asking God to protect us from? Our first blink reaction is my first blink reaction as well. It must be kind of personal safety. God protects us from harm. All right, let's let's think about that. Go to the next slide. I told you about the Last Supper. This was this was not this is not the exact seating arrangement. This would been about how they were, this is the kind of seating he would have had at the table. And I mentioned last week we talked about Jesus saying the world's going to hate them. I mentioned last week John. See the little check mark by John. As far as we know historically and even biblically for some degree. John's the only one of that whole group that wasn't killed a martyr's death, that didn't die a violent death. Crucified upside down, some of them, skinned alive, one of them, beheaded. I mean, some pretty violent deaths around this table because they followed Jesus. So did Jesus' prayer fail? Because he didn't keep them safe. He didn't, they weren't protected. They all died violent deaths. So, oh, sound that's really good Nathan did you do that <laughs> no. alright so that's you know Jesus apparently is not talking about physical safety here because they didn't get it because we often think well isn't God's job to keep me safe keep me healthy keep me whole keep me, have me you know, happy in pursuit of happiness kind of life did not that what Thomas Jefferson talked about isn't that what God's supposed to do for us apparently not or else the prayer failed same thing last week. We talked about people, we talked about the history throughout the church of, of men and women who followed Jesus who were killed, persecuted, martyred for the sake of following Jesus. Um, in the middle there is a picture of a pastor who's currently in jail in Iran and potentially gonna be executed. Is, is the prayer of Jesus failing in this case? Because these other martyrs, whether it's the martyrs from Uganda or priests in, the, in Japan and 400 years ago, who were brutally martyred and killed because they followed jesus is the prayer of jesus that that he fail in his prayer because isn't that what isn't i mean didn't you and i sign up for this christian thing in part because we thought it might be has some kind of advantages isn't that part of the protection plan i mean isn't god supposed to protect us from those kind of things and what about these people you know james got beheaded i mean it's pretty some pretty violent things happen these people so so let's assume right now, I'll make the statement right now, that the protection and safety that Jesus is praying for must not be primarily physical, bodily safety. Because if it was, the prayer failed. So let's then ask the question, what is he asking God to protect us from? All right, so we don't get some super... i she- not, not saying that God can't and doesn't do that. There are many of stories throughout history. There are stories in the book of Acts where people were saved from physical harm because of supernatural intervention. So yes, that does happen. But it appears that it's not, that's not the primary thing Jesus is praying for, all right? Now, to look at the answer to the question, we're gonna look at the book of Acts. One of the things I've challenged you to do over the last month and a half and up to the next few weeks is read through the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts is the account that ha- you know it starts seven eight weeks later after Jesus' resurrection, so these guys on the table would have all been there plus others. The book of Acts is an account of what happened to those people on whom the Spirit was poured out on. These are the people that Jesus challenged and sent them out during this Thursday night meal, them and their friends. All right. So if we look at the book of Acts, I want to look at three brief stories about things that were happening to people, and then ask the question: What was Jesus? What was God protecting that person from? All right, keep in mind, the book of Acts also have all these accounts of people getting beheaded, getting stoned, getting flogged. I mean, all kinds of things. So it's the physical protection angle it's not the angle we realized Jesus was asking about. All right, so to degree, if that's if your belief is God's job is to protect you from all that kind of harm, you need to kind of readjust that thinking. Again, God can and He does in many situations, but that's not a hundred percent given thing. That's not the primary thing. All right. So in the book of Acts, we're gonna look at just three brief stories, and ask ourselves the question: again, What is God protecting us from? All right. Book Acts chapter four, uh, Peter and John had just healed a lame man. Incredible. Supernatural. The guy hadn't walked his whole life, and all of a sudden he's dancing and leaping and jumping around. They're called in front of the council, and the council, when you hear council, it's the Jewish religious leaders, and it's, they're pretty powerful, and they have a lot of control, and they have the ability to really control things. It's intimidating, all right? They're brought in from the council, and the council tells them, don't ever speak in this man's Jesus, this name's don't ever do anything in the name of Jesus again. Again, they weren't bothered by the healing, they were bothered by the Jesus piece. Because they were the same men who eight weeks, nine weeks, ten weeks earlier had been upset and been stirring the crowd to kill Jesus. Alright, so it was the ministry of Jesus that was bugging them. Alright? So they go for the council, and these men threaten them. Alright? Now picture yourself in that in their shoes and you're in front of the council these powerful religious people who don't only really have pow- the power of of condemnation of you they have the power of life and death you saw them exercise that power with Jesus 8 weeks before they're threatening you don't ever do this again what are you feeling at that moment well fear Some of us would walk away from that and say, you know what, maybe we should kind of lighten up a little bit and kind of lay low because um, I'm not sure. It's a little intimidating in there. It was a little bit, up until that point, a lot of cool things had happened in the book of Acts. Now things start getting nasty. And there's a tendency in those situations, and you and I have been in situations not where somebody had the power of life and death over us, but they had the power of their opinion that we didn't want them to think negatively. of. So we kind of, conveniently left Jesus out of the conversation and talked about kind of God, religion stuff because it's easier for people to handle. But there's fear. There's potential of kind of being disheartened because like, wow, that's not working. But what did they, it says when they went, left the council, go to the next slide, they, went, they were with others and they, their prayer was, God, give us boldness. See, because in this case, What God protected them from and what God wants to protect us from is the discouragement that comes from hitting opposition. Think of your times in your life where you've hit some spiritual opposition and the tendency, and I know there's times in my life where I've done this where I'm just like, oh, yeah, I tried that. That's kind of hard. I don't know if I want that again. And so you become disheartened and discouraged because that didn't work and I'm hitting this barrier And so you kind of give in to discouragement and somewhat resignation. And let's be honest, part of you or me, if we would have been with Peter and John then, might have been like, hey, why don't we just lay low for 30 days or something like that and let them cool down. But it said they, they kept doing it. They kept preaching. They kept healing people. So one of the things Jesus is asking the Father to do is perhaps protect us from discouragement. I have no doubt there are people here this morning that have been or are currently discouraged in your spiritual life, you've, you've wanted to do the right thing. You've been doing things, for, and, and things aren't getting better. They're getting worse. Or you thought that would, you know, the, the, the lights would turn on and everything would turn in color and everything else, but things are getting harder. You're hitting opposition. And to you, I'll say right now, to you who are in those situations, right now Jesus is praying and asking the Father to protect you from giving in to discouragement because that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to say, oh, well i tried that it's not working too hard but jesus is praying for you right now he wants you to be encouraged and em- not just encouraged emboldened and we all know what that's like to hit a, 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 a hole in the road bridge out oh, i guess i won't try that. keep pushing and they're emboldened because the father gave them the spirit that gave them the energy and the ability to be emboldened so first thing Perhaps when Jesus is praying to the Father, he's praying that he would protect us from discouragement. Right? And there's some of you here in that situation today. Second story, Acts chapter 5, just not, not too long after, all the apostles are called before the council. And they're all called because, again, they, they keep doing this Jesus stuff. They're not being obnoxious. They're not being jerks. I mean, if you're being persecuted because you're a jerk, that's your issue, not God's. If you're being persecuted or people are kind of, things are happening to you because you follow Jesus and you do things in the name of Jesus. That's, that's what we're talking about here. So here in this case, they're before the council again. And now these guys aren't just threatening them. They're really, really mad at them. They're angry at them. And this is the case I told you last week. They have them all flogged. I mean, like whipped with metal tips, flogged. And then they dismiss and they leave. Now, you're one of these disciples who's just been flogged. And you're walking home, maybe limping home, bleeding, hurting because of Jesus. And you're walking next to Peter or James or whoever. What's what's the temptation in your heart to do? I don't want that to happen again. That hurts. The temptation here is to give in to fear. I mean, to, to let the fear of the opinions of others... Not just the fear of the physical pain, but the fear of man, the fear of the opinions of others, the fear of the persecution of others. It's really easy to give in to that and say, well, I'm, not, I'm definitely taking a 30-day break from this stuff. I need time for my back to heal. I mean, that's we, that's what, let's be honest, that part of us would do that. But yet they didn't, and it's not because they were a superhuman, it's because they had... Absolute confidence and absolute access to the Holy Spirit in their lives. And if anything, they say, they say, to, the, they say to these guys, they say to the council, well, we're not going to obey you. We have to obey God. We have to do what God tells us to do, not, not what you're pressuring us to do. And again, so here the temptation is, and maybe what God is protecting us, some of us from, and he will protect us from, is the temptation to give in to fear and to let fear dishearten you. And to kind of shut you down, it's like, well, I'm, not, I'm kind of afraid of what people think of me if I were to do that. I'm afraid of what people would think of me if I actually talked about Jesus and not just about God and religion. I'm afraid of what that person would think of me if I actually said to them, hey, can I pray for you right now? I sense that like God wants me to pray for you. Or maybe it's the fear of, well, I, you know, I've tried to pray with my husband before or my wife before, but I don't always get a good response from them, so I really don't like how I feel when they respond to me that way. So I'm just going to not do that anymore. I mean, there's all different ways where we give in to fear. And when Jesus is saying protect them and keep them safe, one of the things I believe he's saying is keep them safe from being debilitated by the fear of the opinions of others because we all have experienced that. But these guys, they they say we're going to obey God, and actually they leave after getting flogged, and it says they left rejoicing. They were not faking that. And I think that's the kind of person I want to be. I'm going to be bold like they were in chapter 4. I'm going to be rejoicing in the face of opposition like they were in chapter 5. And it was not this fake kind of, you yeah, know, we're happy. God bless you. you. know, praise God. It hurts. Praise. I mean, there was something deep and strong inside of it that was coming out. And there was something supernatural that was coming in. All right. Last story. This is probably my favorite one. I mean, not favorite one because it's, anyway. anyway. Stephen who was not one of the original 12. He would not have been there at that dinner that night, but he, I'm sure he heard what Jesus said. Stephen is one of the deacons and says he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. So he had, been, he was, he had given God full access to his life. He's before the council again. These, these guys in the council, if you haven't got the sense, they wield a lot of power and a lot of, of influence. And no, neither you nor I have ever been called in front of the council But we live our lives around the council. And the council is the people around us, religious or not, who are continually trying to get us to stay in line and quit doing things that are a little more radical and maybe more life changing and maybe more about Jesus. All right? You understand what I'm saying? The council is that part of the world, the world, that tries to keep us in line and do what everybody else does and quit rocking the boat. Quit being too dramatic. Quit talking about Jesus, all right? Stephen starts talking about Jesus to these guys. And these are people, he, you know, he, he, they know these people. Stephen grew up in this, you know, they, these people know each other. But yet Stephen's a follower of Jesus, and he talks to the Jewish leaders, and he starts telling them, retelling them the story of their own history about Moses and about the prophets and about the Messiah that was to come. And that Jesus is the one. So he's kind of preaching to the choir, and the choir gets really mad. They, they get so mad, they pick up stones, and they're going to kill him. All right, now, again, let's, let's think about the violence here. These are religious leaders that are so angry. It's not just fear now, they're so angry at Stephen. It says, if you read it, this is actually kind of funny. It's sad, but funny. They put their hands over their ears. It's kind of like they're going, la, 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 I can't hear you, la, 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 la. I mean, it's that kind of like little kids. Because they don't like hearing what Stephen's saying. They pick up stones, and they literally start to stone him to death. So big stones, baseball, softball size, whatever, are hitting this human being who, because he loves Jesus and talks about Jesus, he's getting these big stones thrown in him, hitting him in the head, body, and slowly losing consciousness. And he's going to die. All right? Now, stop right there before he's dead in a sense. And... Let's talk about the temptation. What's when those kind of things happen? Our human fleshly recourse is, God, I want you to get them. You get them, God. Vengeance. You said vengeance is your God, get them. Because they're hurting me, I'm gonna hurt them back. Right, let's think forgiveness. If somebody's attacking me, my first thoughts that to aren't toward them aren't loving, and gentle, and kind. They're like, God, you bet, you know, justice. If I get this, they need to get that, all right? And this blows me away right before he dies. I mean, I think the text even says Stephen's on his knees, so he's he's dying. He's debilitated. He's bleeding. He's bruised. He may have puffy eyes. Who knows? He's dying. And it says he yells out, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. I read this, and I thought, that's the kind of man I want to be. I want to forgive people in the midst of them hurting me. We, we, you know, Most of us say, well, you know, time heals all wounds. After they hurt me, give, give me at least two, three, four, six years, and I'll eventually be able to forgive them. In the middle of him dying, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Don't hold this against them. Reminds you what Jesus said on the cross. Well, they, don't, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. I mean, he's saying this about the Roman soldiers and the Jewish leaders as he's dying on the cross. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, flash in your head somebody that right now in your life is hard to forgive. Somebody that maybe has hurt you, is hurting you, has hurt you and has ever acknowledged it, or hurt you maybe they did acknowledge it, but it's still hard for you to let go of your mm, hurt and maybe negative retribution, feelings of retribution. Like if nobody knew and you could hurt them if if your invisible day would be to go to their house and hurt them and destroy their house and then come back then that's really what's going on in your heart be honest about that you may not do that really but if you could be invisible and that's what i was telling dan the question's a little bit dangerous because it might unveil some dark dark sides of our hearts if i was really invisible i'd go to this person's house and i'd do this and i'd do this and i would do this and i would not even know it not even nathan you know he wouldn't be able to figure it out no fingerprints i guess i don't know we didn't talk about that Think of that person. Just close your eyes for 30 seconds. Think of somebody hard for you to forgive or hard for you to get along with right now. And think about that person. It may even be your husband or wife. Maybe something that's not a major, major thing, but it's something that just irritates you and you can't seem to get over it. And it's a sin against you in some way. And right now, I'm going to say one, two, three. Keep your eyes closed. I want everybody to say, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. All right, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. All right, one, two, three. Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Now, you can look back up here. So in this case, when Jesus is asking God to protect us and keep us safe, Father, would you keep them safe and protect them from the death that comes from having a bitter, unforgiving heart. Jesus is asking the Father to protect our hearts. Keep us from giving in to discouragement. Keep us from giving in to fear. Keep us from giving in to unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and retribution and vindictiveness that, that we really do in some pretty petty ways. So I don't know what your story is. Some of us, you've had really good weeks, good lives, a lot of joy. But if you're human, and if you're not human, then you don't need God. But if you're human, something, whether it's discouragement, fear, unforgiveness, there are people here today that you're not even convinced if God's good. And if you would have been with Peter and John or the disciples when they got flogged or when they got threatened or Stephen when he got stoned, you would have been like, see. And that's what I get for following Jesus, and pff, God must not be good. But, yet they, but they responded differently, not because they were superhuman, but because the Holy Spirit had access to their lives. Jesus had captured their lives, and they, instead of discouragement, they were bold. Instead of fear, they were empowered. And instead of forgiveness, they were forgiving. And I said this before, that's the kind of person I want to be. And I, I guess there's not one of you that would say, well, I'd love, I'd love to have more boldness in my life. I'd love to have more forgiveness in my life. I'd love not to be a slave to the fear of the opinions of others anymore. I'm, I'm tired of that story of my life. And it, doesn't, it, and it makes you the kind of person that Jesus said, that's the kind of people I came to redeem you to be. So when Jesus is praying, protect them, keep them safe, he's he's talking about the very center of our being, which is our heart, our soul, whatever we we want to call it. God, would you keep that intact? Because that's where we follow trust and and believe in Jesus from. Last last verse, just close with this. Um, Paul writes this, and Paul, who was actually there when Stephen was getting stoned, approving of the stoning, and then had this incredible experience of conversion to Jesus, He writes this many years later. After he had just kind of talked about the ways in which he had been kind of downcast and defeated and beaten down and discouraged and fearful and discouraged and people that were bitter, you know. And then he says, but therefore we do not lose heart. All right, say that first line with me. Therefore we do not lose heart. That's what Jesus was praying for the Father, that you would not lose heart. Not let discouragement, fear, or unforgiveness diminish or shrink your heart. And then he says, though outwardly we are wasting away, innerly we are being renewed day by day. And then he later says, we do this by fixing our eyes on not what's seen, but what's unseen. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on what he can do in and through us. So again, I don't know your stories, but my guess is there's somebody, at least one person who battles discouragement, at least one person who battles unforgiveness, and at least one person who battles the, the, the giving into the fear of the opinions of others. And if the three of you benefit from that, then this has been a good morning for me. But I'm guessing the rest of us would at least benefit from listening in over your shoulders because all of us struggle with those things. But the big, the big lesson, though, is these are the kind of people. I read, I, re- I read that story about Stephen, and I remember, I actually was sitting on my front porch reading that story, and I actually closed my eyes, and immediately somebody came to mind that I've had a hard time forgiving. And I said, okay, God, don't, don't charge him with that sin. Don't keep it against. Them. And it wasn't like immediate, but there was a quick flip of my opinion about that person. Jesus, don't, don't, no, don't hold them against Don't hold that against them. Because every part of my being was saying, no, 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 get them, get them, get them, stick the dogs on them. No, no, it's like, no, no, no. Jesus, don't, don't charge that against them. Because you don't charge it against me. So I, I want to be that kind of person, Jesus. I want to have the strength of forgiveness and of courage and boldness and integrity and generosity. I want to be that kind of person. You only will be that kind of person if you allow yourself to be captured in by, the, by Jesus. And if you choose to say, Jesus, you're going to have all of me. Holy Spirit, you're going to have all of me. If you choose not to say that, then you're on your own to some degree in life. And you fight your own battles with discouragement, unforgiveness, and fear. But Jesus' promise is not he's going to make a yellow brick road for you physically smooth life, but he's going to ask the Father, and the Father will do this. He will give you the strength to keep your heart fuller, fuller, and fuller, and you become a stronger, more joyful, full of life kind of person. I, I'll take I'll take an ounce of the joy these people have to look at. but I want more than that I think God wants to give us more. Let's pray. God, we do want to be these kind of people. We want to be the kind of people... Um, that you ask the Father to protect us and keep us safe to be. And um, whether it's uh, joy, courage, boldness, a deep seated confidence that you really are good, whether it's forgiveness. God, may those things be true about us as individuals and as a church, that we are those kind of people that people can't figure out because they know that, humanly speaking, you can't be that way without your spirit. So, Holy Spirit, would you pour down on us? Jesus, would you pour your spirit on each one of us? And would you nudge our hearts a little bit bigger and a little bit fuller by helping us understand that you will give us what we need to fight fear, discouragement, and forgiveness. And we're grateful, Jesus. We're grateful, Jesus, that you died on the cross to open up that whole new access to your spirit. We're grateful that you resurrected from the dead. And we're grateful that you offer in your body and your blood on our behalf to set us free um, from the chains that bind our hearts. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Every week at uh, Exodus, we take communion.